Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Anything that has the word admin in it is anathema to, to many philanthropists. And that's where we come in, because we believe that a well-run organization needs overheads. It may need capex. It may need to build infrastructure which it can then leverage to deliver impact and its programs more efficiently and more effectively. So we take the opposite approach. Now, here is a topic I never expected to be covering on the show, how to lend money to charities. But it turns out it's a thing. And as soon as you take a minute to consider why, it all makes sense. Raising money on an idea alone can be hard. Just ask any entrepreneur. People want to see a project, hold it in their hands, as it were, before handing over the big cardboard check. So we're faced with a familiar catch-22. Charity projects can't get funded because they aren't live, and they can't go live because they aren't funded. Enter the Charities Aid Foundation with their social investment, Kath Venturesome. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. I've worked in financial institutions of various sizes for the last 20 years and across three continents. And always the community building work we have done has been pretty hands-on, either providing the staff as labor for things like a team day out to help clean up a local children's home, or at best leveraging the passion and fundraising networks of the staff with a matching program. One of my last acts before leaving South Africa was to arrange a group cycle ride from Johannesburg to Big Bend on the eastern border of Iswatini and Mozambique, with funds raised by us being doubled thanks to the generosity of Standard Bank. Still, that doesn't feel like it's fully utilizing the power of a financial institution, not leveraging its knowledge of how to lend money to fuel growth. So this is a topic I'm very interested in. Holger Westphaly, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. You are currently acting head of CAF Venturesome at the Charity Aid Foundation. But looking at LinkedIn, you started your career in private banking for high net worth individuals and in management consulting. So at that point, probably the more common career path would have been to continue in that corporate finance world. What inspired you to shift and to pursue a social impact instead? Yeah, I always had a, an interest in business and financial markets and how our economy works. And so going into the financial sector wasn't an easy move, but I guess there was a level of disillusion as I was working within it. The purpose of making flows of capital efficient is only partly demonstrated day to day. A lot of it is about charging for investment products, which don't always have the investors' best interests at heart. And I realized over time that it was probably not a career I could succeed in long term 
because I had moral issues with it. So I went away to business school to do an MBA. And during that process, repositioned my career. And when I came back, I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with a, a friend on a similar path who had left investment banking and was advising charities in the UK on an ad hoc basis. So we decided to join forces and and do that systematically. We set up Eastside Consulting, which was a, it was called at the time, that developed into Eastside Primetimers, we, we merged with another organization that provided a pipeline of talent effectively that we could use to plug into consultancy projects in the social sector. And that's how I made the transition. And in 2015, I combined my old investment career knowledge with my new social sector knowledge to join Caffentism, which is a social investment fund, part of the Charities Aid Foundation. Perhaps we should start with the basics. What does social investment mean? Social investment means lending money to social purpose organizations with the main aim of generating social impact. Many social investment funds will generate a negative financial return, which is justified because their investors are looking for the social impact. And really, it is often seen as an alternative to grant funding where you have a a minus 100% financial return, all the money is gone, although, of course, you achieve a very high social impact. Social investment is more of a mix. You give up some of the capital in order to enable things that otherwise might not have happened, possibly to fund the growth of a new trading part of a charity. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense as soon as you think about it for a minute. The, the market expertise coming in with a social optimization rather than profit optimization. I think everyone listening will have experienced the, the scenario where you're talking to your group of friends about, let's go do something together. And everybody sort of, yeah, you do it first and we'll follow. Nobody wants to take that first step until they can see some progress, some traction. So I can imagine that venture capital sort of approach gives somebody a chance to actually start a project to show their community the good work it's doing, what it looks like, give them a chance to kind of hold it in their hand and see what's happening. And then the money can come in and it can become self-sustaining. Let's stay paused for a moment before we get into the detail and talk about the Charities Aid Foundation and CAF Venturesome. What drives these organizations and and how do you operate on a day-to-day basis? The Charities Aid Foundation is an organization whose purpose it is to facilitate giving on a global scale. It was founded in the UK over 95 years ago and has changed a lot over the years, but it still works with philanthropists, with corporate foundations and philanthropic bodies to facilitate the flow of capital to the best causes. It also helps navigate the tax system as well as the, the sort of financial regulations that may be attached to, to any financial transactions. We now also offer banking services to charities in the UK. That is a different part from the social investment part, which is very much about achieving a social impact. I guess I've already moved into venturesome. So venturesome is the social investment part of 
the Charities Aid Foundation. And we have access to a lot of philanthropists and a lot of philanthropic institutions who like the idea of exploring different ways of achieving social impact. And our funds are a great opportunity to put their money to good work without giving it away completely in one go. When people look at your website, um, they're going to see the line, we provide repayable finance to help social enterprises. And for most of us, the first time we read that line, it's going to sort of stick a little bit. And people might be thinking, why repayable? Why are you lending money to these charities? Isn't it nicer to give a donation that doesn't have any strings attached? Yeah, so lending has a, a, a few advantages over grant giving in certain situations. What we're trying to do is to help organizations become better at doing what they do and becoming more efficient so that maybe future either they can do things they weren't able to do before or they can do them more efficiently because they've been able to build some infrastructure or expand into a new area or possibly set up some trading activity which generates its own income if that's what they're looking to achieve. We try and fill a gap. It's very difficult to raise grant funding for anything that isn't directly related to a charity program. Anything that has the word admin in it is anathema to to many philanthropists. And that's where we come in, because we believe that a well-run organization needs overheads. It may need capex. It may need to build infrastructure, which it can then leverage to deliver impact and its programs more efficiently more effectively. So we take the opposite approach. What's associated with that is careful financial planning, careful strategic planning, which should make a project like this that we invest in pay for itself. So that's one of the reasons that this approach makes sense and fills a gap. Secondly, from a philanthropist's point of view, it can help the capital go further because rather than giving £10,000 away once, if they lend £5,000 to two organisations and receive the money back and lend it again, maybe lose it over four or five loans, they've been able to help five organisations. If you scale that up, we typically help our funders over five years to use their money one and a half times. So they will have invested it, it would have come back, we would have invested it again. And after five years, uh, they're getting the money back. What's left, we obviously uh, don't manage to recover um, 100% of it. And then thirdly is the rigorous financial management and planning required in order to obtain a loan and in order to service a loan is often a, a skill that organizations have to build up and a discipline that they have to get used to. Developing a project budget for a grant is easier than developing a cash flow for a three-year loan. And uh, that's something we're looking to incentivize in our borrowers and to, to give them the opportunity to enhance their financial planning and financial management skills. Yeah, that's another good example of why it's valuable to apply these entrepreneurial type approaches over the other side of the fence as well because yeah when you're starting your own business people also say that you know writing out all the financial figures the planning the numbers might end up being completely different nobody can predict five years in the future but that act of sitting down with the pen and paper and 
working out what comes where, oh, I forgot about this, then this might happen. It's that thinking that's so valuable. And in the end, whether you use the numbers or not is almost secondary. You're listening to How to Lend Money to Strangers. If you're enjoying it, please hit the little plus button to subscribe and share it with your connections on LinkedIn. Now, let's get back to the show. We're a lending podcast here, so we can probably get a little bit further into the weeds than most. But when you talk about a loan to a social enterprise, to a charity, what does that look like? What sort of conditions are attached? How are you screening borrowers? How do you make that lending decision? Does it look familiar to a banker? My feeling is it will look familiar to a banker. It is a very labor-intensive process. We will kick the tires even for, for relatively small loans to get the comfort that what the borrower is planning to do makes sense, that they have the, the skills and resources to achieve that. And at the same time, that we understand the social motive behind it and that uh, there is an element of value for money we do expect the social impact to, to justify that investment. In terms of value, the amounts that we lend range from £10,000 to £400,000. You know, those are quite different types of loans. We work with very early stage social enterprises or social entrepreneurs, in some cases, who are just getting going and are looking for a very small startup loan. This will usually be interest-free and may even come with a bit of additional grant funding and business support. So that's obviously a very... And at the other extreme, nearer the £400,000, it will typically be a large organisation with a, a stronger balance sheet looking to grow and our interest rate will be between 5 and 6.5%, depending on, on risk and also on social impact. It's usually three to five years, but we can stretch as far as 10 years as well for areas where more, more patience is required. I mean, I'm sure an environment that would sound familiar to somebody in the SME lending space where you've got to run that similar gambit from the startup with the owner working out of their spare room up until pretty large businesses, actually, so maybe even getting more towards the business corporate banking side. When you talk about the repaying of the loan, where would that typically come from? Are these usually organizations that would use the money to get started and then look to get other grant money, government money as they go? Or do they look to raise donations in the future? Or are they creating businesses that bring in some revenue just not enough to stand on their, their own feet. All of the above. I think you've named every <laughs> single source and we have used every one of those sources to get repaid. If there's a business model that lends itself, for example, charities deliver government, government contracts, it is just a case of financing that contract delivery ahead of time if, if the payment comes at the end. It could be through a mix. So I'll, I'll give an example of something that was entirely refunded through donation. So there's a, a school in Port Elizabeth in South Africa called the Ubuntu Pathway. Ubuntu has a campus which is a community institution. It includes various support services for children, early child development wing, community centre with a rooftop garden, an on-site clinic, a pharmacy, and a, a job skills training centre. Now, in 2019, they approached us to take on a social investment loan 
of £400,000 in order to help them build a state-of-the-art primary school immediately and not have several gala dinners or fundraising events, which could take them several years to have the money together. And they've now repaid the whole amount. And in part, because of the loan, they were able to provide other services to the community when they were really, really needed during the pandemic. So just a reminder, they took on the money in 2019 and were able to build the school over the next couple of years. But in addition, had infrastructure to administer 20,000 COVID vaccines and help people with with monthly food packages during the height of the crisis. And they were able to place young people in jobs during record unemployment times and had a really life-saving impact on those communities as a result. So there was fortuitously a massive benefit in pulling this investment forward. Yeah, and it's a great example of it because something like a building project anyway takes a long time to be delivered. And if you first got to wait three years to raise the money, then engage the builders, and then it's going to take another year or two to to build out the structure as well, it really does extend it. Whereas if you can raise the money, you can get the builders involved, they can start. You've still got that period when they're building that you can raise money and get everything ready, but it drastically shortens that and makes it, I think, far more possible that the people that were engaged at the start don't lose motivation and disappear. The key difference is where your normal bank is going to say, where's the big profit coming from? Where's the big revenue coming from in the future? That gives me that comfort uh, that this loan will be repaid. For you, the social impact comes in and plays such a big role and a local community-driven stuff to really projects that are trying to change the world for the better. What I don't know if you've got off the top of your head, but any projects that, that really warm your heart when you think about what you've been able to release with, with the funds you've lent? One of my favorites, and this is a little bit longer ago, but really topical today, was an organization called the Peaceful Change Initiative, an organization that looks to lessen the impact of war in war zones. And the idea is that both while the conflict's going on and after the conflict is finished, the communities that might have been on opposing sides are able to sort of work together again and, and build constructive relationships. That organization worked in Libya, Syria, and the Ukraine. So this was after the first invasion of Crimea. Really important work that has a massive impact on the on the people who are the most desperate. And I guess that complicates matters when you're looking at the loans and you've got to try and weigh up social impact versus financial stability or what you think might happen from a, an organizational point of view. Doing that loan screening up front, how do you try and weigh those two up? Do you have different investors or different funds that lean one way or another? Or is it down to you to try and find a balance where you've got an organization you might really believe in their goal, but it's very risky from a financial point of view, and you're comparing that to somebody who's got a fairly safe project that's going to make their community better, but in a relatively small way? We try to weigh up risk with impact. So it's not a risk return equation, but risk versus impact. So are basically prepared to, to take much greater risk on projects that we feel will generate a higher impact. Now, it's of course not only the financial return that is at risk, but also the social return. 
because if we feel that the organization is not likely to succeed, then there's no point in making the investment, even if we're happy to lose the money. We have a framework which gives us a bit of a sense as to the social impact that an organization generates and specifically that our investment in that organization can generate. And we have a, a risk matrix which you know, we would all comment to, to most investors. Those are the kind of thought processes. We do have investors who are happy to take greater financial risk so we can make sure that we use the right type of capital. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. If people listening want to be part of that uh, investor community, uh, how do you raise the money you use for these loans, for these broader initiatives? Yeah, so we approach high net worth individuals, our minimum investment in our funds, returnable investment is £20,000. We can take donations at lower levels because they obviously need a lot less, less management. And a donation would sit in our funds ad infinitum and be deployed until it is lost. Whereas an investment in our fund is returnable usually after six years. We also approach corporate foundations and other philanthropic institutions to raise our capital. And it's, of course, always important to manage expectations. This is likely to be a loss-making investment. We tend to expect losing between 8 and 15%, give or take. First of all, the return is likely to be less than the capital investment. And the other thing is, as this is philanthropic capital, even when it comes back, it can only go to charitable causes. So any money we repay to our investors, they can spend on charitable projects of their choice, but not take back and buy a car from it. Okay. And um, yeah, you, you mentioned not being paid back at times. when a Borrower is unable to to repay the loans. What is your process there to to work with them? Obviously, sort of within the lending world, we'd want to jump onto a collections call and, and and try get our money back. How do you approach situations where you've got a borrower who, for one reason or another, is going to be missing a a loan repayment? So we will do one of three things. The first one is the the sort of softest would be just to write off our loan and say you're better off without having to repay us. We believe in the social impact you're having. We know you've tried hard to repay us. Things didn't work out the way that we had all planned and this happens. The second thing we can do is 
and we do most commonly, is look to restructure the loan, maybe provide repayment holidays or come up with a different payment mechanism that gives the organization a chance to maybe maybe transition to a slightly different business model and so on. And we will always look at social impact as part of that equation on how generous we're, we're comfortable with being. And the third thing we do is demand our money back legally, which could mean the organization goes into administration, could mean they have to sell a building or whatever. And we keep that for what we call badly behaved borrowers who don't engage with us. They don't do what they say they're going to do. Maybe we're not comfortable that the social impact is really all that they told us it would be. And in those cases, we will try and recover what we can. Yeah, and I think what's quite interesting with those sort of high-level numbers you shared is I think you're showing that you're a well-intentioned, good entrepreneur is going to try and, and pay you back. So even when you're focusing on social impact, you're going in with your eyes open that many of these are likely to be to be loss-making or unlikely to be profit-making at least. The losses aren't all that high, and maybe there's a lesson in there for traditional lenders who want to help out entrepreneurs to maybe take a little bit more of a perceived risk, maybe trust their customers a bit more. And the losses aren't you know, the 100% or the 50% loss rate they might fear. Now, of course, the sort of person who's a social entrepreneur is arguably a nicer person to start off with. But yeah, if anyone listening would like to learn more about CAF Ventures and more indeed Charities Aid Foundation and the projects you're doing or get involved in some of the upcoming work you're doing, where is the best place for them to head over to, to learn more information or to start a conversation? Yeah, so Venturesome, we have our own URL. It's www.venturesome.org. So that's for the social investment part to look at the project. If you're looking to borrow money or if you're looking to get involved in social investment, that's the best destination. And CAF, the Charities Aid Foundation, more general, is our parent charity. We're, we're part of, of that group. And the URL is www.cafonline, one word, cafonline.org. Great. Well, Holger, it's been a pleasure having you on and yeah, a very different take on lending. But it just hopefully opened the eyes of some of the listeners to ways that we can leverage the skills we have as lenders to produce good outcomes, you know, instead of just doing the normal team day out, cleaning up a you know, local children's home or helping to pick up litter on the side of the road, that there's ways that lending organizations and perhaps get more actively involved and use their skills they're using day to day to help fund growth in the charity space, in the, in the social impact space. So it's been eye-opening for me and uh, a lot of fun as well. So thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange in Brighton, England, and edited with assistance by Kane Hunter. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts now in several languages, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.